Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. I come to you at started this broadcast with frankly a very heavy heart as I've watched events of the last 24 hours if you listen with regularity to this broadcast I warned that the time between now and January 2025 is going to be very very dangerous this morning I was just reflecting on how quickly things can go downhill just think of a week ago Saturday when all of this started. What must the people in Israel be experiencing now? But now the people in Gaza. And those of us here in the United States of America who are watching these events with revulsion, with horror. Now, I, before I even get there. I think we need to listen to the president. If we do indeed have a source, Bernie, I believe uh, the president speaking now from Tel Aviv. Uh, are we able to listen in? Let's go to the president of the United States. Americans taken hostage, children slaughtered, babies slaughtered, entire families massacred, rape, beheadings, bodies burned alive. Hamas committed atrocities that recall the worst ravages of ISIS unleashing pure, unadulterated evil upon the world. There's no rationalizing it, no excusing it, period. The brutality we saw would have cut deep anywhere in the world, but it cuts deeper here in Israel. October 7th, which was sacred to a sacred Jewish holiday, became the deadliest day for the Jewish people since the Holocaust. It has brought to the surface painful memories and scars left by millennia of anti-Semitism and the genocide of the Jewish people. The world watched then, it knew, and the world did nothing. We will not stand by and do nothing again. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. To those who are living in limbo, waiting desperately to learn the fate of a loved one, especially to families of the hostages, you're not alone. We're working with partners throughout the region, pursuing every avenue to bring home those who are being held captive by Hamas. I can't speak publicly about all the details, but let me assure you, for me, as the American president, there's no higher priority than the release and safe return of all these hostages. To those who are grieving, a child, a parent, a spouse, a sibling, a friend, I know you feel like there's that black hole in the middle of your chest you feel like you're being sucked into it. The survivor's remorse, the anger, the questions of faith in your soul. Starting at staring at that empty chair, sitting Shiva. The first Sabbath without them. They're the everyday things, the small things that you miss the most. The scent when you open the closet door. The morning coffee you shared together. The bend of his smile, the perfect picture of her laugh. The giggle. Every little boy, the baby. For those who have lost loved ones, this is what I know. 
they'll never be truly gone. There's something that's never fully lost, your love for them and their love for you. And I promise you, you'll be walking along some days and say, what would she or he want me to do? You smile when you pass a place that reminds you of them. That's when you know. When a smile comes to your lips before a tear to your eye, that's when you know you're going to fully make it. That's what will give you the fortitude to find light in the darkest hours. When terrorists believe they could bring down, bring you down, bend your will, break your resolve. But they never did and they never will. Instead, we saw incredible stories of heroism and courage. Israelis taking care of one another. Neighbors forming watch groups to protect their kibbutz. Opening their homes to shelter survivors. Retired soldiers running into danger once again. Civilian medics flying across rescue, flying rescue missions. And off-duty medics at the music festival caring for the wounded before becoming, victim, before becoming a victim himself. Volunteers retrieving bodies of the dead so families could bury their loved ones in accordance with Jewish tradition. Reservists leaving behind their families, their honeymoons, their studies abroad without hesitation, and so much more. The state of Israel was born to be a safe place for the Jewish people of the world. That's why I was born. I've long said, if Israel didn't exist, we'd have to invent it. And while it may not feel that way today, Israel must again be a safe place for the Jewish people. And I promise you, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that it will be. 75 years ago, just 11 minutes after its founding, President Harry S. Truman and the United States of America became the first nation to recognize Israel. We've stood by your side ever since. We're going to stand by your side now. My administration was in close touch with your leadership from the first moments of this attack. We're going to make sure we have what you have what you need to protect your people, to defend your nation. For decades, we've ensured Israel's qualitative military edge. And later this week, I'm going to ask the United States Congress for unprecedented support package for Israel's defense. We're going to keep Iron Dome fully supplied so we can continue standing sentinel over Israeli skies, saving Israeli lives. We've moved U.S. military assets to the region, including positioning the USS Ford Carrier Strike Group in the Eastern Mediterranean with the USS Eisenhower on the way to deter, to defer further aggression against Israel and to prevent this conflict from spreading. The world will know that Israel is, Israel is stronger than ever. And my message to any state or any other hostile actor, thinking about attacking Israel remains the same as it was a week ago. Don't. 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 Since this terrorist attack, terrorist attack took place, we've seen it described as Israel's 9-11. But for a nation the size of Israel, it was like 15 9-11s. The scale may be different, but I'm sure those horrors have tapped into so, some kind of primal feeling in Israel, just like it did and felt in the United States. Shock, pain, rage, an all-consuming rage. I understand, and many Americans understand. You can't look at what has happened here 
to your mothers, your fathers, your grandparents, sons, daughters, children, even babies, and not scream out for justice. Justice must be done. But I caution this while you feel that rage. Don't be consumed by it. After 9-11, we were enraged in the United States. While we sought justice and got justice, we also made mistakes. I'm the first U.S. president to visit Israel in time of war. I've made wartime decisions. I know the choices are never clear or easy for the leadership. There's always cost, but it requires being deliberate. It requires asking very hard questions. It requires clarity about the objectives and an honest assessment about whether the path you're on will achieve those objectives. <clears throat> the vast majority of Palestinians are not Hamas. Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Hamas uses innocence, innocent families in Gaza as human shields, putting their command centers, their weapons, their communications tunnels in residential areas. Palestinian people are suffering greatly as well. We mourn the loss of innocent Palestinian lives like the entire world. I was outraged and saddened by the enormous loss of life yesterday in the hospital in Gaza. Based on the information we've seen to date, it appears the result of an errant rocket fired by a terrorist group in Gaza. The United States unequivocally stands for the protection of civilian life during conflict. And I grieve, I truly grieve for the families who were killed or wounded by this tragedy. The people of Gaza need food, water, medicine, shelter. Today, I asked the Israeli cabinet, who I met with for some time this morning, to agree to the delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance to civilians in Gaza, based on the understanding that there will be inspections. You've been listening to a live address from President Joe Biden. He is speaking live from Tel Aviv. We're going to step away for a break. I'd love to get your thoughts on what he's had to say. Sounds like a pretty strong and powerful message, still standing with Israel, and also very, very important. Speaking of our Americans who are in the under the control of terrorists right now, who are indeed hostages, saying no higher priority right now than the safe return of those hostages. Uh, saying of Israel, this will not be a time. We will not stand by and do nothing. So pretty emphatic message from President Joe Biden. Is this reassuring, comforting to you? I'd love to know. Our President of the United States, Joe Biden, saying the terrorists will not win, making that bold declaration just a couple of minutes ago. You heard the bulk of his speech before we went to break. I don't know about you, but I've just had a heavy heart. And you're going to understand why I have a heavy heart when we get to more of the content that we have. We've got a very, um, I don't know how else to describe, other than saying it's a very explosive situation developing in Lebanon right now. And this entire situation is a powder keg with not only what has happened, but the danger of the perceptions of what has happened. Because as you know, one of the things that goes out the window in situations like this, the truth, it really doesn't matter. 
it's all about perceptions. It's all about projection and people are ultimately going to do whatever they want. They're going to find an excuse to do some are going to find this as an opportunity as an excuse to do the most evil of things. We have um, a very short segment here. We've gone a little long because of the president and previous segment, but I want to very quickly bring back on the broadcast someone we haven't talked with in a while, uh, mainly so I can turn him loose to do what he does so well. Uh, Joey Deese from Oakdale Baptist Church in Rock Hill. Uh, welcome back to the broadcast, Joey. Thanks for uh, letting me come on and pray. I really appreciate attention to what's going on. Yeah, before we go into this, uh, do you feel the same sense of heaviness that, that I feel this morning? Of course, yeah. Uh, we have some friends in Israel that are especially living close to the Lebanon border, and to talk with them daily and to know just everything that they're battling, the alarms, the downstairs, the, the seeing the drones in the sky, it's and uh, the weight that is on, think of the those parents in Israel to, to take care of their children. I just I, That's what I keep thinking about, the weight that's on them. And now we have, in addition to this, and just to give some direction to pray, obviously, for Israel in the midst of all of this, but also for uh, this country and the decisions that have to be made wisdom for this president, uh, the, potential, the potential that America gets drawn into full-blown war, which I think the possibility of that has increased in the last 24 hours. So with that, we have basically just two minutes left in this segment. So, uh, Joey, take it away and and uh, just cry out to our Father for him to intervene in these circumstances today. Lord, we come to you today, and we thank you that you're the God of creation. This hasn't taken you by surprise. And, Lord, um, as there's a lot of fear out there, and, and we know as believers we do not have to fear, but we pray for those Israel that are that are going through what they're going through, the ones that have lost loved ones, the ones that are fearing more war. God, we just pray that you take over and take control. We know this is a spiritual battle. We know this is evil. We know this is Satan. We know that he is doing everything he can for God's creation. And we pray right now, as you command us, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we, we pray, God, too, for our leaders in this country that support Israel, that we give them. Your word says, hey, bless Israel, and I will bless you. And so, God, we pray for that today. I pray for our president. I pray for defensive leaders. I pray for everyone that's going to be making decisions, our Congress and our Senate, God. Obviously, we pray against a world war, and um, but God, we know that, that you're in control, and we pray that that through this, ultimately, uh, like my friend Kenny is in Israel praying, that revival like this world has never seen. Satan means for evil that we will see so much good come out of this, that people will come to know you in Israel, in this country, and all over the world through the Middle East. They will see how good you are and see that you are the real, one, true, only God. Help them. Help those making decisions. I pray for the ones on the battlefield. Protect them and that you give them wisdom on what to do and how to do it. Trust in you. But these are the times where it's it's hard sometimes, where everything's not great, everything's not in a bubble like we want it to be, and this is a lot of mess right now, a lot of chaos. 
chaos is from Satan. So, God, we pray that you just party and take control and that we give that to you and we let you do that. So, Lord, we love you. We trust in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Joey, we so appreciate you joining us and praying with us again this morning. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you again very soon, sir. God bless you. Joey Deese, Oakdale Baptist Church, Rock Hill. And I guess I, um, it goes without question, I affirm everything that he has prayed in this season. May this be a time that we, uh, not just here, but throughout the world, that we uh, look up. This is the time to look to him uh, now more than ever. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back of the Vince Coakley radio program on social media. We have this from Seth. Referring to the president, he's a liar about the majority of the Palestinians not aligned with Hamas. 70% voted to put them in power. Joe can't do math. And I thank Seth very much for listening every single day in the upstate of South Carolina. What are your thoughts about what the president had to say a few minutes ago? Sound resolute? And I think the purpose behind this was basically drawing a line in the sand, saying we're standing with Israel, which is certainly a good thing at this point. So much to get to during the course of the broadcast this morning. One of the things that I suggested to you is the fact that this is now an issue that is right on the edge of pulling the United States of America fully in. UK Daily Mail reports U.S. issues do not travel advisory for Lebanon and is allowing non-emergency personnel to leave after pro-Palestine protesters start a fire at the Beirut embassy, forcing security to use tear gas to disperse the crowd. By the way, this is not over. This is an ongoing situation at our embassy. Thousands of Lebanese protesters, some waving Palestinian flags, They gathered Tuesday night outside the U.S. Embassy. All of this was stirred up by a blast at a hospital in Gaza that Hamas claimed killed at least 500 people. We'll talk a little bit more about that and what really happened there. The U.S. has now issued a do-not-travel advisory for Lebanon and authorized the departure of non-emergency personnel. This is a very serious situation. U.S. military groups deployed smoke and gas to disperse the protesters who gathered at the embassy following the attack on that hospital in Gaza. Hours after the protests began, the State Department issued the travel advisory. The department authorized the voluntary, temporary departure of family members of U.S. government personnel and some non-emergency personnel from the U.S. Embassy Beirut due to the unpredictable security situation in Lebanon. (sighs) 
this ought to be a wake-up call. What's going through my mind right now? What's going through my mind? Do you remember that video that supposedly started Benghazi years ago? It's a stupid narrative invented at the time by the Obama administration. And I remember Susan Rice going out on all of these programs to lie, lie, and lie. But it's sobering to me how really misinformation can be so dangerous and so explosive. That's what we're dealing with right now. As you know, there's no question about the bombing of this hospital. We know it happened. We're hearing reports of 500 Palestinians killed, doctors, children, patients. So what would Americans do in reaction to a story that's coming out from Hamas? Would you view this with suspicion or do you embrace the version that is the most hostile and skeptical skeptical of Israel? Well, if you're Rashida Tlaib, who I am even more convinced is not only un-American and anti-American, I think this woman is walking a very fine line. I mean, I, I maybe I'm the first person to say this. I don't know. This woman ought to be expelled from Congress. This woman is a danger to our republic. Here's what she posted on social media. Israel just bombed the Baptist hospital, killing 500 Palestinians, doctors, children, and patients just like that. This is what happens when you refuse to facilitate a ceasefire and help de-escalate your war and destruction only approach has opened my eyes and many Palestinian Americans and Muslim Americans like me we will remember where you stood and this was basically piggybacking on a post from Dr. Omar Suleiman who said this dear world Israel just bombed a Christian hospital in Gaza murdered over 500 Palestinian civilians white phosphorus chemical bombs confirmed by Human Rights Watch was not enough to open your eyes over a thousand dead children wasn't enough will you open your eyes and act now this woman has thrown her lot in with terrorists she should be expelled from Congress this is an abomination on every level It's disgusting, profoundly disgusting. But the sad thing is, there's a constituency for people like her. There is. We'll get to this a little bit later on if time permits. I'm so glad that Ron DeSantis is doubling down on what he's had to say about the possibility of taking in refugees. Absolutely, positively, no. We don't need any more Rashida Tlaib's in Congress because that's exactly what's going to happen. We will have more members of Congress. See, this is this is the danger of democracy. This is why we're not a democracy. And this is why we need to protect our borders and do a better job of vetting people coming in. 
And as citizens, we do need to do a much better job of vetting the people who represent us. We're going to talk about that later, too. The vote for the Speaker of the House. I am more convinced than ever the Republican Party, it's worthless. And there's an opportunity to pull it back from the brink of oblivion with this speaker's race just for a little bit. This is not going to fix the problems. But it certainly has revealed, this vote yesterday has revealed a lot. We're going to talk about that much more as we continue our Wednesday broadcast coming up. We'll talk about the Middle East headlines and the expectations on Israel as they try to prosecute this war. You'll hear Ron DeSantis talk about refugees and the dollar amount for Ukraine and Israel. Boy, this is a whopper. Great social media message from Jeff, who writes in, Vince, I called to the Brett's Winter Bowl show yesterday and said the best way to fix D.C. is to primary out every incumbent that has a liberty score of less than 80%. And for we the people to get more serious about primaries, I am convinced. Notice the pun there. This is the way to go. Thank you for revealing the source of liberty scores to us. Well, I appreciate the fact that you're paying attention i'm serious that would make a world of difference if republicans everywhere in this country took responsibility for the people they are sending to washington dc that alone would make a huge difference but we've got liberals liberals going to washington dc as republicans we'll talk about this a little bit later on and and one of the reasons i'm going to bring this up is a speaker's race. There's no reason in the world Jim Jordan is not speaker. There's no good reason he's not speaker of the House right now. I'm going to tell you what this is about. You'll hear some inside perspective from a member of Congress who has an extraordinary liberty score. This liberty score will blow your mind. And it's <laughs> it will help you understand what's really missing. We don't need bluster. We don't need... Um, some cult-type person to come along. Rather, whether that's a presidential candidate or Congress person or senator, we need an army of senators, members of Congress, who are true to Republican ideas. The Republican platform. It's really that simple. Here are the Middle East headlines from Drudge. Iran warns the time is up. What does that mean? Saudi Crown Prince snubs Blinken. Boy, there's a shocker. Pentagon plans military response to Hezbollah. I'm seeing increasing indications that there's concern that we may end up getting involved in this. Day of unprecedented anger. That's what this has been declared. Biden in Israel's Gaza reels from the hospital blast. You've heard that story. Joe Biden saying it appears it was done by the other team. Well, duh. 
This apparently was a misguided rocket from our enemies, which landed on the hospital with all of its fuel. And you're already seeing this around the world. They're blaming Israel for this. When the evidence speaks to the contrary position. In fact, there's Hamas audio. Direct quote, it's from us. Horror, medics surrounded by dead children. Joe's trip, riskiest of presidency, faces physical danger. Jordan cancels his summit with Egypt, Palestinian leaders. Rage spreads, fury grows in Turkey. Protests erupt across Middle East. U.S. evacuates embassy in Lebanon after rioters set it on fire. This indeed is a very dangerous situation, is it not? Let's talk about the expectations out of the White House. John Kirby, the White House National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications, telling reporters aboard Air Force One en route to Israel, President Joe Biden would have some tough questions for Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu when they met. The whole purpose to show solidarity with Israel and its war against the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas. But after Palestinians, their allies, blamed Israel for an explosion at a hospital in Gaza City that reportedly killed hundreds of people, Biden appeared to be taking a different stance, promising U.S. officials would investigate. Notably, Kirby refused to say the U.S. gave Israeli officials the benefit of the doubt when they categorically denied Israel had anything to do with the explosion. Israel blaming the explosion on a misfired rocket aimed at Israeli civilians fired by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Kirby also dodged questions about whether the White House believed Israel was living up to its promise to obey international law. Later in the press briefing, Kirby explained that tough questions did not mean menacing, but the U.S. would ask Israel about its next steps in the war. Last week, Biden had said Israel had not only a right, but also a duty to fight Hamas. Kirby, a retired United States Navy Rear Admiral, also said the proper number, I want you to listen to this carefully, the proper number of civilian casualties in a conflict like this is zero. He did not explain how that statement squared with international law, which does not require zero civilian casualties in war. As Breitbart News has explained, some risk to civilians is legal as long as it is proportionate to a legitimate military goal. Hamas, clearly guilty of war crimes and targeting civilians, doing so from civilian areas, placing both Israeli and Palestinian civilians in danger. God help us. They're going to expect civilian casualties, the proper number at zero, to even make such a statement. It shows profound ignorance profound ignorance still to come on the broadcast yesterday we had a conversation about what's going on in college campuses you will hear from someone who has dared to speak up and to challenge a university system right here in north carolina on this issue which side are you on it's time for people to choose 
You also hear Ron DeSantis doubling down on his message about refugees, that much more, as we continue the broadcast and an update on the speaker's race. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome to hour number two of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Wednesday, still to come on the broadcast. You will hear Ron DeSantis double down his position on refugees. It's really good stuff. The new plan that is being discussed about foreign aid, how much money they're going to request for Israel and Ukraine. It is a staggering amount of money. And we'll delve into the speaker's race. Boy, is this a winner. And some of the names that I'm hearing here are are just, I'm nauseated. There's one name in particular you need to pay close attention to. Because if you thought this guy was a conservative and he's on our side, well, he's clearly not on this. And I think he needs to be viewed with a great deal of suspicion because the backup plan is not a good one. And it involves a member of our own congressional delegation here in North Carolina. We'll talk about that coming up. But first, it was either yesterday or the day before, I shared with you a very bold declaration, a message sent to the leadership at the university system at UNC. It's by a person who has a strong connection to that school. And he is on the broadcast this morning. I'm referring to Dr. Grant Campbell, who's been on this broadcast before. Uh, Welcome back, sir. And it's good to talk to you again. Vince, my friend and pro bono therapist, how are you? (laughs) Hey, doing very well. It's great to talk with you again. And you... I'll tell you, man, you are a blessing. I so appreciate your boldness, your courage. Uh, I want to back up and start at the very beginning here as to what motivated you to write, to communicate boldly, publicly to the leadership at UNC. What really stirred your heart? Well, I think, you know, to to keep it kind of brief is, you know, I, I think over the past couple of decades, we have started to see what the mission of higher education is supposed to be start to erode. And I think that, you know, the the demonstrations and what was said on campus was kind of the culmination of that. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be allowed to say what they want to say. I'm an advocate of free speech. I think that offensive speech is probably the most important speech to protect because otherwise someone else gets to decide what's offensive. But for the university to take no stand to say that they don't stand with this message, that this is not in line with the mission uh, of our university, and and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not taking a shot just to take a shot. I love this university. It is a part of me. It's a part of my family. And it was that love for the university is why I finally said I need to speak up to tell the leadership that they are they are failing on this issue. 
What was communicated at these demonstrations that was so offensive? So there was footage of um, pro-Palestinian demonstrations, which I completely support. If you want to demonstrate, you go right ahead. But there were messages that were supportive of Hamas. There were signs that are long known uh, tropes and calls for genocide, like from the river to the sea, which is a clear uh, call to eradicate the Jewish population in Israel, and has been for some time. There were demonstrators saying straight up that they are all Hamas, and that they support Hamas, and they support the mission and the actions of Hamas, calling it a resistance. And look, I firmly recognize their right to do that. I support their right to say what they wish to say. But then the leadership of the university kind of comes out with kind of just kind of the milk toast bland. We understand everybody's hurting and we're reaching out and we just want uh, all violence to stop. And, you know, there are times in your history where things are said that you don't have to silence people, but you have to step up and say what their words do not reflect us. Their words do not reflect this university. And I was incredibly disappointed um, that no one would stand up and condemn those words. And, um, you know, the the comeback from the demonstrators will be, well, you're just trying to silence us. And I'm like, no, I, I will fight for your right to stand up there and say those vile things if you wish to. But it doesn't you have the right to say it, but you don't have the right for everyone to agree with you. Why do you think the university is not coming out very quickly and emphatically stating, you know, we're against terrorism? I mean, this is a pretty easy thing to do. And uh, you don't even have to come out and necessarily support Israel, but to condemn Something as egregious of, as what we saw a week ago Saturday, uh, this is kind of a no-brainer. Why would they be so reluctant, Grant Campbell? I think it's a twofold issue. I, I think that one of the issues is that there is a faction, a growing faction on the American left that cloaks their anti-Semitism in love and support for the Palestinian people. And you can support the Palestinian people without calling for the genocide of Jewish people in Israel or Jewish people around the world. And you can support the Palestinian people without agreeing with what Hamas is doing. And that faction of the left is growing in number and volume. And it has taken root more broadly in university communities and anywhere else, especially tenured professors that are somewhat bulletproof from consequences of their words. Um, And they start to indoctrinate these ideas and they use students who have not really taken the time. And and we can talk about why that is, if you want to, to look at the broad subject instead of just dissecting what they want to hear. And I'll, I'll be frank with you. I think the other issue is university leaderships are afraid of their students. They're afraid to challenge them on things and say, uh, we don't agree with that. We, we think that's wrong or you need to look at the other side because they're afraid of, you know, 50 uh, 19-year-olds uh, flooding into their office and, and sitting in there and causing a disruption. Well, sometimes that's the price of standing up for what is right. So I think it's – and I think this growing issue on university campuses – 
what happened last week is kind of the culmination of that lackadaisical approach to that. We only have about a minute left in this segment. Are you seeing any indication that there is any, uh, I guess, rising to the occasion here by the university, uh, the lights coming on at all and recognizing, you know, we, we, we do need to get on the right side of this. Any movement at all? I haven't seen it. It doesn't mean that it's not happening. I mean, look, I'm a nobody. No one's going to make a personal call to me. But the disappointing part is the university, one of the stances they're taking is, well, the the legislature has silenced us on being vocal about certain political issues. (laughs) Lame. Um, Exactly. And, And my response to that is, okay, but if genocide and murder and rape and abduction and beheadings of civilians, is a, you see that as a political issue, you've already lost perspective already. Yep, that's uh, pretty straightforward here. Um, Dr. Grant Campbell, so glad that you have spoken up here, and perhaps in, in the very least, uh, there'll be others who uh, will be inspired to have the courage to do the same, and perhaps a chorus of people communicating as you have will um, somehow get a message to the people who really need to hear it. So thanks again for who you are and what you do, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you again very soon. Thank you, Vince. Take care. God bless you, man. Dr. Grant Campbell, really, really good guy. And, you know, this is what it's going to take. A lot of us in different walks of life, you know, in his case, he's an OBGYN, and it's going to require just people of all walks of life just standing for what's right. I mean, it's it's pretty sad when it's radical to declare that genocide, that uh, a massacre, that terrorism <laughs> is something that ought to be roundly condemned. Kind of crazy, isn't it? We've reached this place. Just a further affirmation that not everybody has to agree with me. That's my my ex- expectation here. Tim has written in, Vince, love your show. Long-time listener. I listen because you have the ability to think for yourself and don't appear to be a thoughtless political party hack. Having said this, it hurts me to hear you mention Jim Jordan's Liberty Score, justifying him to become the next Speaker of the House. Jordan has proven to be that thoughtless political right-wing extremist that will cripple the government at the behest of the small cabal of right-wing extremists, Lake, Gates, Green. Jordan has spent more time in attempting to defame the White House, crippled Joe Biden by dragging his troubled son Hunter into the into the light. No doubt Hunter Biden is a problem, should be dealt with and jailed if necessary, but it, taking time and not legislating on the big picture ills of the U.S., how we as a nation would stand by to give the power to a group of eight or nine extremists, completely cripple or shut down our government is unthinkable. Jordan's already proven he can't and won't think for himself. He's blinded by this Trump power thing. Do you think Jordan will agree to the same one vote and you were out policy that got McCarthy tossed? It's ludicrous. I would have to say that I think you've got Mr. Jordan all wrong. I want to be very clear. Um, The Trump attachment 
concerns me. As it relates to Trump, January 6th, there are some things that have concerned me. I'm going to be very clear about that, lest you think I'm just dismissing that, because I don't. I hope at some point he renounces that foolishness. The election denying all of it. Having said that, I do think this man will, if he does win, I think he will surprise a lot of people. I think he has the ability to be very reasonable. So I'd be cautious on all of the overinflated language about right-wing ex- What is an extremist, anyway? I mean, I think we really have to be careful of these terms. And, and I think some of these terms are really not appropriate for people who... Uh, let me just put it this way. I think some terms are only appropriate for people who are advocating violence. And I... I just think it's unfortunate that things get thrown onto a person and they seem to stick because this is the media narrative. It is the media narrative about Mr. Jordan. We'll talk a little bit more about this later, but I do appreciate you writing in. We'll see how all of this unfolds. Let's talk about refugees because it is inevitable this subject is going to come up i am very very encouraged by the fact that ron DeSantis, despite the fact he has taken a lot of heat for this how dare you say all of these people are anti-israel they're anti-semitic i was thinking of this the other day how many of you if your security were at risk would you be willing to risk the possibility that maybe, I don't know, 50% of the people might be anti-American, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic. Is that a risk we ought to take? 50%? Or even 40, 30? Why? Why do we roll the dice on this? Knowing that this is a matter of culture. Here's Ron DeSantis again. I think this was a conversation on the Hannity program. Here's Ron DeSantis again, doubling down his position on taking in refugees from Gaza. My position is very clear. As the first presidential candidate say, no Gaza refugees, period. We're just not going to do it. And why? Because we don't want to import the pathologies from the Gaza Strip and other places in the Middle East to the United States of America. They are taught to hate Jews. They are taught that Israel has no right to exist. The textbooks that they use don't even have Israel on the map at all. And so this is just endemic to their culture. It's a really toxic culture that's developed. So there's no reason to be importing that into the United States. And the idea that we can kind of separate like a terrorist from some someone that may be a freedom lover, that just doesn't work. Uh, so, so we will not do that uh, when I'm president. Good for him. I appreciate the fact that he has taken a strong stand there. One of the things that will have to be addressed by Congress, funding for not only Ukraine, but now Israel and Taiwan. Oh, gosh. U.S. President Joe Biden may consider a supplemental request. You ready for this amount? $100 billion. It would be for all three countries. 
Biden's been widely expected to ask Congress to pass a supplemental spending bill within days as Washington responds to the deadly October 7th attack on Israel by Hamas militants while looking to continue to support Ukraine as it grapples with a Russian invasion. So now it's not only Ukraine, it's Israel and also Taiwan. What do you think about this? One hundred billion dollars with a B. Coming up, we'll talk about the fight for Speaker of the House. In fact, they are preparing for what could be another vote this morning. We will hear some really good perspective on what went down yesterday and why. And I have a shocking piece of information. The person you're going to hear from on what his liberty score is. It'll blow your mind, especially in light of what we've heard about the leadership of the Republican Party in the House. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. on social media James writes in I'm not sure why James out of Kannapolis has communicated something with this tone the subject text is Biden he and his family are the problem you enable this kind of behavior stand up for what's right or get off the radio what (laughs) how in the world do I enable the behavior of Mr. Magoo and his family. I really don't know. Perhaps, James, you can explain this to me so I have a better understanding of why you have sent the message that you sent. Over onto social media, I want to draw attention to a post. This is from a man named Robert Costa. Former Speaker Gingrich, in his column, Speaker Pro Tem McHenry is a lot better solution than gridlock and chaos. He should be empowered this week, and let's get on with the people's business. This is the position of one Newt Gingrich. And you know who affirmed this and reposted this? None other than former Speaker of the House, John Boehner, who simply says, I agree. Are you done throwing up in your mouth? Folks, this is the backup plan. I don't know if I'll spend more time on this later today or later this week, but this is their backup plan. So keep this in mind, and I don't mind saying this. I'm sure Patrick McHenry is a nice enough guy, but I got to tell you, Hell no. We do not need another Republican liberal sellout as Speaker of the House. There's no excuse for it. If you went to the polls, you contributed money for these morons who are begging. I don't know, but I need to come back to this. My phone is still blowing up. I don't know where it started. Somehow I've gotten on some sort of 
contribution list because I, I don't remember ever making a contribution because of what I do. My phone is getting blown up by people I would never give a dime to. It's nauseating. So you're going to do all this fundraising and you're going to do all this campaigning for 2024 so that we can have the leadership of people who frankly suck. Okay, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. (laughs) Maybe we'll talk about this later, this whole Patrick McHenry plan. But I want to get to someone who has some sense. His name is Chip Roy. Chip Roy is a relatively new member of Congress, and he has some very important things to do to say about what took place. We fell about 20 votes short of getting Jim Jordan over the line as Speaker of the House. I want to quickly get to these. Here's the first thing I want to share. It's Chip Roy talking about what happened yesterday with the loss, but he goes into a history and this is important to understand, a history of what brought us to yesterday. Listen up. What we saw unfold on the floor today is not all that surprising, except for this. Jim Jordan, the former chairman of the Freedom Caucus, strong conservative, came to Washington to change it, just got 200 votes Mm. out of the Republican conference for Speaker of the House. That is a monumental achievement. We are moving the needle. We are changing this town. But the actual war is not about Jim Jordan. This war has been going on and brewing for well over a decade, okay? We're in the era that came in with the Tea Party, that then came through cut cap and balance, trying to cut spending, that then led to the formation of the Freedom Caucus after I was Ted Cruz's chief of staff, and we're here battling the Obamacare shutdown, then Donald Trump coming in and taking on the swamp through multiple speakers. We're now, we've been having this battle for the soul of not just the country, but the Republican Party in order to save the country. That's what's really going on. He hit it right on the head. The other thing we'll share before the break. He says, you know, no matter how this turns out, especially if Jim Jordan ends up winning this, you know, the battle and this lapse of time and all of this next year is really not going to matter. Here is what he says really matters. Listen. What they're going to be concerned about next year is whether or not we're fighting and delivering on reducing spending, pulling back on the power of the Biden administration, restoring our military, securing the border, standing with Israel, but not with blank checks for every foreign you know, uh, entity around the world in the name of Israel, which is what they want to do by lumping Ukraine together with Israel. They want to see us fight. That's what this is all going to be about. So, you know, we're going to get through this just like we got through January. And let me say this. We got a lot of great stuff done this year. H.R. 2 is the best border bill we've ever passed. Mm -hmm. The defense authorization bill is the best defense authorization bill we've ever passed. The four appropriations bills are actual cuts. We fought through and got them across the finish line. We got other good bills done. We've stood up for life. We've stood up for parents. We've stood up for a strong border. We have a Senate Democrats and a president that won't work with us. We have a thin majority and we're exposing this family feud for the entire country to see. That's okay. We have the worst form of government except for all the others. Everybody stay calm and carry on. We have a job to do. I'm not backing down. We're going to change this town or bust. If my colleagues think they're going to roll over me or roll over Jim Jordan, they're out of their mind. If they somehow 
get Jim to, you know, back off. I think Jim should carry this all the way through. We'll be next. We'll stand up and fight for change. We're not going to agree to more of the same. Don't you love it? Chip Roy. Chip Roy. Do not forget that name. And there's more from Chip that we'll get to after the break, including his ridiculous Liberty score. This is going to blow your mind. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So before the break, you heard from Congressman Chip Roy, who is obviously in support of Jim Jordan. We have a couple of other clips for you, and then I'm going to tell you Chip Roy's Liberty score. There are about 20 members of Congress, Republicans, who did not vote for Jim Jordan. I want you to hear one of the major reasons why and who these people are. Here is Chip Roy talking about his challenge that he's issued to these 20 or so people who chose not to vote for Jim Jordan. This is his challenge to the detractors. Someone's got to ask them the question now that they voted. What are you for? Mm-hmm. Are you for the status quo? Are you for $33 trillion of debt? Are you for wide open borders? Are you for a defense that is more woke than it is able to go carry out war making? Are you for uh, empowering China? Are you for empowering the liberal elites with their ridiculous green agenda that's undermining our national security and empowering China? Are you for, you know, uh, undermining our ability to conduct uh, wars in defense of this country while we just send over blank checks to Ukraine? Mm -hmm. I mean, I could keep going down the list. Are you for the status quo? And just notice that of the 20, seven of them are appropriators. Four of them are, are on the House Armed Services Committee. The people that think they run this town typically, traditionally, historically, have been appropriators and the defense complex. Mm -hmm. We're trying to break that. That's what's really going on. Did you hear that? Folks, this is about a power, a power system that is in place in the nation's capital. And these folks are away. They're they're terrified. This is going to get broken up. That's what this is all about. And Chip Roy is very clear. He's issued the warning. They're not going anywhere. They are staying in this. Here are his final words. Well, I can promise you that I'm not backing down, and I can promise you that my colleagues that stood up in January to change this place are not backing down. And if this group of 20 thinks that they're going to somehow, you know, get us to back off in this false name of unity instead of unifying around actual purpose. Like, mm-hmm. unity for the sake of unity is stupid. Right. Unity to stand up to actually go fight for the American people who sent us here instead of fighting for defense contractors or to spend more money that we don't have or to fight for, oh, some sort of, you know, power that you want to retain. That's not going to get the job done. The American people sent us here to fight for them. We are supposed to be representing them. I work for my constituents. I work with my colleagues. There's a difference. I love that. I work for my constituents. I work with my colleagues. 
And let me just tell you something. The truth of the matter is, the way this system has worked for so many years, many of these politicians are working for the leadership. Because the leadership, one of the reasons why they're in leadership, because many of these folks have gone around the country, they've campaigned for people, they've given them campaign contributions, they've essentially bought them. See, Chip Roy knows who's in charge, which is why he has the Liberty score that he has. Are you ready for this? I looked it up this morning. He has a 100% Liberty score. Is that surprising based on what you've heard? Of course not. See, and what I love about Chip Roy, this is a man who campaigned as a conservative, and he went to Washington, D.C., and he voted as a conservative. Those things go together. The rest of these clowns, these 20 or so politicians, whatever their reasons are, they're not about you. They're about themselves. I think I can very honestly say that without any hesitation. There's power these folks desperately, desperately want to hold on to. So do not forget. This is a very important behind-the-scenes thing that's going on that plays into this vote, which could happen really any moment. It may get underway, so pray that this goes well. Axios, very briefly reporting, with Jordan slipping, the House could make McHenry a temporary speaker. We've told you a little bit about this before. Jim Jordan looks like the latest dead men walking, is what Axios says. A speaker race that seems unwinnable. He got 200 votes on Tuesday, 217 needed. Sources tell Axios his chances are dim. The latest top solution, make Patrick McHenry of here in North Carolina. (laughs) Make the current chair-warming speaker pro tem a temporary speaker. He'd have basically the same power as a real deal elected speaker, but need Democratic votes to hold the gig temporarily. Now, we told you we got two ironic endorsements late yesterday. Former GOP speakers Newt Gingrich and John Boehner. Both were run out of office, just like Kevin McCarthy a few weeks ago. In fact, Representative Dave Joyce of Ohio plans to introduce a measure today that would temporarily empower McHenry to oversee the passage of legislation. The plan would be to introduce it if Jordan fails another House floor vote, which could happen today. It would require McHenry to cooperate by recognizing Joyce on the House floor. So stay tuned. This is going to be a very interesting day one way or the other. And pray for our country and for the Middle East that this thing doesn't spin out of control. It doesn't take very much. Not very much at all. So all the time we have for the broadcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Have yourselves a great day and God bless you. Adios.